Canucks Central Tuesday. It's Dan Richo and Satyar Shah from the Kintech Studio. Got lots to come your way today. Irfan Gaffar is going to join us. Uh, the legend Don Taylor will join us as well. As the Canucks put in a valiant effort against the New Jersey Devils yesterday. But fall 5-4 in overtime. You heard it on the podcast, the postgame show with Sat and Bick. You can go back, check it out if you haven't yet via the podcast page. Subscribe, leave a review. We do appreciate it. Uh, but uh, also in that game, Sat. A, uh, a goal from Phil DiGiuseppe, his first as a Vancouver Canuck. I'm surprised you made it into work and you didn't get too bent <laughs> celebrating the goal by Phil DiGiuseppe yesterday. So I, I'm a, power to you. I mean, you stayed up all night celebrating as if Italy won the Euro yet again. So, you know, it's a great it was a great moment for the mm-hmm. Riccio household. It was it was pretty fun. Not going to lie. I, uh, I shot a, a shot. A, I took a shot of espresso after he scored just before overtime. Uh, I was thinking about bringing some espresso into work today and, and shooting it for the camera. Uh, but uh, we, we, we we decided not to. We decided against it. Might have to get like an electric stovetop in the studio for every time Di Giuseppe scores a goal. And we make like a fresh pot of espresso anytime Phil Di Giuseppe scores. Well, we do have the coffee machine that makes espresso. So just run out and make a quick espresso. Oh, that's time. right. I mean, you know, not not that I'm going to be that guy, but I'm going to be that guy. It's not like real espresso. So we need a, a real espresso machine for the one goal per two years he scores? Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's that's what we need. You know, it was a nice shot. You know, glove glove high. Love to see it. Uh, it was a nice shot. It was a nice setup, too. But, but I mean, maybe we should get a Bunsen burner. And then we could just like, you know... <laughs> Burner. What is this, science class? Unbelievable. <laughs> well, it does fit with the show narrative. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, all right. Maybe we'll get a nice little Bialetti machine, you know, and uh, and figure it out. A little macchinetto. That would be nice. Uh, okay. Uh, but uh, we're going to get into more of how the Canucks are playing right now and, um, you know, the, some of the changes we're starting to see and if they are playing with more structure already, just four games in to the Rick Tockett era but still a lot of uh, speculation going on with the roster sat and it seems as though the Canucks are still the number one team that insiders are looking at in terms of speculation beyond Timo Meyer it just it feels like everybody around the hockey industry has a new tidbit on what's going on with the Vancouver Canucks it always seems like uh you know it was it was interesting listening to Friedman um, talk to Merrick and and they mention how one of the things the team is is trying to do is uh, is plug the leaks because there's always stuff coming out and I know you we've been talking and joking about this as well that it was supposed to be different and for a while it was like it was very hard for info to come out and it seems like the past you know four five six months there's been a lot of stuff out there now I do know from the organization standpoint they will often push back and say some of that stuff is just a narrative. It's not real. I mean, just because it's being talked about doesn't mean it's actually there, you know, doesn't mean there's any truth to it. But at the same time, there's been enough stuff that's gone on that we've talked about that turned out to be true. So you can forgive fans for being skeptical or not quite sure where things are kind of headed based on all this stuff that we're hearing. It seems day in, day after day about what this team is looking to do or what direction they're headed in. So, you know, on that note, um, yeah, Rutherford, when he came in and, and started making all the changes, putting the pieces in place, you know, you, you started to get excited. It's a new dawn, a new era, and there's some new faces around. 
And now there's continued speculation of whether or not Rutherford's going to be around long term. Uh, here's what Elliot Friedman had to say about that. I think this, I think that, uh, uh, like, I, I would be a little bit surprised because I, I think the thing with Rutherford is um, he's pretty private. That's number one. Number two, I, the one thing I do think is I think this year has stressed everybody out. Like, not just the fans and the players, but the organization from top to bottom. Um, yeah. It's gone worse than everybody hoped. Um, there's been almost a tire fire every day. And, you know, things have gotten out uh, that have, you know, uh, affected the way they can do their business, right? And, you know, the organization is trying to figure out, like, how all these things are getting out and, and what's happening. And I think it's been a highly stressful year. I just think at the end, and I think they've got some long-term decisions to make about, you know, where they're going, not only on the ice, but off it. You know, their front office, uh, who's going to be there long-term and who isn't. But the one thing I I think about with Rutherford is that he knows that if he was to walk away, this would probably be the end. And I'm not sure yet that that's what he's – I'm not sure yet that's where he is. I I think he wants – uh, I think he would want a chance to try and fix it as opposed to walk away in the middle of it. There is uh, Elliot Friedman from earlier today on the Jeff Merrick show uh, here across the Sportsnet radio network. Um, there's a lot of speculation on uh, where Rutherford's future lies. Uh, is it speculation? Uh, is it more than that? What do you think, Zach? So, Everything that I, I mean, I can only go by what I've heard, and I mentioned this on the post game show as well. And this goes back to even some of the stuff that was out there and, and speculation and questioning about whether he wanted to retire after that uh, conversation he had with the Pittsburgh Tribune and, and spoke about how maybe in an ideal world he would have retired with the Penguins after they won a Stanley Cup. And that, you know, obviously led to some questions about whether they think. Um, he's, he wants to retire or he has his heart in it. And that's when we looked into it. I checked it out. And people that I trust and I talk to told me there's no, nothing there. Like, I mean, there's no truth to the fact that he wants to retire. And I asked again, and like I mentioned last night, the sense I get is, no, he's not looking to leave. He's not looking to get out of there. That doesn't seem to be what's going on. But at the same time, you're seeing reports. You're seeing people mention different things. And I can't sit here and dispute what other people are hearing or you know how credible it may or may not be. But kind of like Elliot mentioned, the sense I've been getting when, I, when asking around is that he's not looking to get out of here. And if anything is still looking to accomplish a lot of the things it set out to do. Because if you leave now a year into all the goals you set out to do, I mean, you're kind of leaving it half-assed. And mm-hmm. is that what you're willing to do, even if it has been more difficult than you thought? So I'm just not quite sure he's there yet. But one thing to keep in mind, he never signed a long-term deal here. We're talking about a guy in his 70s. Like we're, we're talking about it was never going to be more than, what, two or three years anyways for him really to be in this position the way it is. So... It was never going to be a long-term thing, and I just don't see him punting on that until he gets to the end of his agreement with the team. Uh, Rutherford will be 74 later this month. It, um, I mean, well, I mean, yeah, he's going to retire soon. Yeah. Just look at his age. I mean, I mean, he's not going to be around forever. Yeah, I, I believe uh, you know it was talked about three years when he first signed the deal last December. So does that take him to the end of next year? I mean, I, I don't 
for sure know the details of his contract, but it is not all that long, as you say, Sat. And, and look, one thing I will say, oh, sorry, Reach, but yeah. I wanted to make this because Raymond mentions maybe JR realizes he can't win with his ownership and perhaps, you know, he's gotten sick of ownership, which is a fair question to ask and people wonder about that. And perhaps and perhaps it is. I asked, I spoke to somebody who knows Rutherford, not in this market, that, you know, know him from, knows him from working with him in the past and in different situations, that, that essentially said, like, it, the thing that doesn't make sense to me is that if he's thinking about it, he would have been gone already. I know you kind of mentioned that yesterday too, like your opinion on this, but that's what somebody who who has worked with him in the past told me that if he if he was feeling that way, he probably would have already handed it in. He's got nothing to prove to anybody. He's already in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Like Jim yeah. Rutherford, his legacy is already set. Um, so. It, it, you're right. It, it, and I do believe that too. You know, if he was done with this, well, then why not just already go ahead and up and leave? So um, that's where that situation's at. It was interesting to hear, though, that um, Elliot doesn't think that the front office is completely settled in the way that it's mm. set up. You know, so that does sort of hint that um, changes could be coming somewhere down the line as to how the front office has been set up. I think that, I mean, it's interesting hearing Elliot mention that because I do think there is probably an evaluation going on on all the hires they made and they invested a lot of money in the front office and a lot of people in different roles. Yeah, could there be a situation where they're looking at at the end of the season going, okay, what's everybody doing here? Does it make sense for us to have everybody here? And is this really something that's being that's giving us benefits that we're looking at. I mean, there could be something like that going on because they have a far bigger front office now. They have far more people in, in different roles than, than they've had in the past. You know, I mean, they got rid of Wisebrod, of course, and and Jim Benning and a few other people, and Chris Gear and Jay Wall lost their jobs, of course, but they brought in a bunch of people to replace those jobs, right? And they have people in higher positions as well. So could that be a situation like Elliot mentioned that? There will be some evaluation. It wouldn't shock me, you know, like it wouldn't shock me if that's the case. That there are more things for them to figure out here. Whether it's just it's not just on the ice, it's also in the front office. Because yeah, they they've invested a lot in the front office, and they've invested in a lot of different roles. Do they feel like it's worth it? So that's where that all stands right now. And uh, well, there is more speculation on what could be happening on the ice as well. Uh, today, Emily Kaplan talking uh, in her latest at ESPN, mentioning Thatcher Demko. And uh, we saw Demko get back to practice today, which is encouraging. He is on the trip, obviously, and uh, is nearing a return. We've sort of speculated about this with, with Kevin Woodley in our regular Wednesday hits, just how far away is Demko. And it's always seemed closer to mid-February, but we're a week away from that. So Demko is right on track with that timeline that we've sort of had in mind here on Canuck Central over the last little while. But what was said by Kaplan, per sources, at least four teams have called Vancouver about Demko's availability, and the Canucks have, haven't have said no to any of those teams. Now, I, I wonder you know, how much there is to this. Is this any sort of advancement from any of the rumors we've heard around Demko already? Or is this just teams continuing to keep an eye on the situation as it develops and as it gets closer to the trade deadline. So on the on, one thing I wonder about in general here though, Dan, is 
I think we have to go back to one simple truth. What's that? Pedersen and Hughes. Those are the only guys you're probably not moving. Okay. So I think what that means is they're going to listen to anything else. So uh, let's say I'm uh, GM Joe Schmo from, uh, I don't know, the LA Kings. <laughs> Actually, Rob Blake. Uh, and I say, hey, uh, Patrick, how do you feel or about Thatcher Demko right now? And Patrick would just say, uh, we feel good. He's a great goaltender, and he signed for the next three years. <laughs> okay, cool. That's great. Uh, we'll we'll talk again soon. Thanks a lot. That's a call. That's a phone call right there. You know, I just I I just explained a phone call to you. Doesn't mean the Canucks said no or yes, but it's gotta it's gotta really impress you to move a Thatcher Demko. It's gotta really excite you. What could be on offer? to even think about moving a Thatcher Demko. Nothing that comes out of anything I've heard sort of hints at that. And one thing I wonder about with the way this all season has gone, this whole season has gone sad is, okay, maybe we're more willing to listen on players that we previously weren't willing to even listen on before. And that's where I think Demko lies in. I think that's been... I think that's a very fair way of looking at it. And I think that one of the things they're, I mean, I don't think they're moving Quinn Hughes. Now, could, could somebody come and knock their socks off with an offer to make them think? I mean, potentially. I just don't see that happening. I saw, you know, I think sports that they had, they were talking during a panel and they had the hypothetical trade between New Jersey and Vancouver. What was it? They suggested Nemich, Mercer, and a first round pick for Quinn Hughes. And it's like, come on. That's you not know, enough. Like, no, it's not even. I mean, the only way you consider moving Hughes is, is if, like, yeah, they're they're putting Heischer in the deal somehow, right? I mean, that's what you're looking at. You, that's the type of player you'd want in return if you're looking to move Quinn Hughes, and that's not happening. So it's a moot point. Don't don't consider it. Demko, well, you mentioned the LA Kings, right? And and we talked about this last week. They have all the pieces that would interest Vancouver. If they put enough of those pieces together, they could make Vancouver think. Are they willing to do so? That's the question, right? And I don't think we're at that stage yet where anybody's making any, any real offers or they're even considering offers because Demko's just getting on the ice. Like, he's not at a stage yet where you can fully explore that. So I think if somebody really wants Thatcher, they could talk to Vancouver about it. The question is, is anybody willing to meet the price? And I think that goes for everybody else outside of Hughes and Patterson, Dan. Like, I even think JT Miller, and we talked to Frank about this, and like, it wouldn't shock me if we hear some rumors about teams calling on JT and Vancouver's considering it potentially. Like, it wouldn't shock me, not because they've changed their mind on him necessarily, but because they realize clearing cap space isn't necessarily going to be easy. And if somebody's willing to give them the flexibility and the futures they're looking for, they would consider it. Like, if somebody came calling and said, we take the entire JT Miller freight and we're giving you a first and a prospect, I mean, I'm not saying they do it, but would they consider it? I can't imagine they wouldn't consider it. Right, so I, I don't think they're in a position where they're saying no to anybody unless they're asking about two players, really. So yeah, make an offer worth thinking about. I think that's what it comes down to. That tells me, or it makes me believe that they're reevaluating, just or have reevaluated just how far away they are or how close they are to turning this around. Because I always, the way I always viewed the J.T. Miller extension was. Well, they wanted to keep one of JT or Bo, right, in the moment, and they decided JT was that guy for the price, and Bo obviously ended up getting paid more, so that's 
part of the reason they made that bet with JT. So if you're thinking about JT and you sign him to that deal, you don't only just expect him to maintain a high level of play for the next couple of years, but you're expecting to contend in the next two, three, four years while JT is likely still able to perform at a high level before you know he gets deeper into his 30s and the de- decline starts to come. Have the Canucks started to reevaluate just how far away they are? I don't know if they've reevaluated that. I just think because if they had to reevaluate that, then you probably wouldn't sign Kuzmenko. Right, to the two-year deal. Yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, especially a two-year deal. So I do think, I don't, I don't believe they think their timeline has necessarily changed in a huge way. But for instance, if you can't, you see how hard it is for them to make the Garland Besser type of moves, right? It's difficult for them to make other moves. If somebody comes calling and gives you what you were looking for for JT, would you not listen? I think that's what it comes down to. And there will be a realization that, okay, we might have to make this deal now that we didn't want to do last year because we can't move off these other players. So let's just make that deal now. But then that would require at least one thing to happen. That would be another team being interested enough to do that. And I don't think Vancouver is in a position where they're looking to dump anybody. Like, they're not looking to trade Demko for anything they can get. They're not looking to just dump JT Miller's contract and get whatever they can get to get out from under it. Like, they still want something of substance to go along with the cap flexibility. Like, especially those two guys that they're looking at. I think they're willing to, you know, play some ball, you know, with Besser and Garland and those guys. But I think if you're looking at moving those players, they would want it to be worth their while to consider it. Would JT get a similar price to what was being offered last year? Is, is that a realistic scenario that could play out? I, I'm not sure it is. Because he's already got the $56 million contract. And, you know, maybe you get to free agency and, and a team ponies up for JT. Let's say he didn't have a contract. Teams would be willing to give him the $8 million over seven years. And... The thing about that is it's free agency, right? The player at that point is free. You're not giving up the extra assets to do it. I just feel with the way this season has gone, it's hard to imagine that the Canucks would get offers similar to the one at least we speculated on being on the table last year, and that's Nils Lungfist and a first, and potentially mm-hmm. Philip Heedle as well. Yeah, I mean, so if we're looking at I think they would ha- there would have to be some acceptance that you're probably not getting that offer anymore. The the top offer you were hoping for. Yeah. Last year. I think there must be some realization to that. And even with the Bo stuff, they said, hey, we, we thought we did pretty well, but it's it's all dependent on our possi- like what possibilities we have here and what we have to do and you know the, the things that we're faced with to try to do all this. So I, I think they realize that the market is going to dictate what the return is going to be. And if they can get the futures they're looking for, and especially with how this season is going, right? Like the way this season is going and with, you know, where they find themselves too, and with some other things they can do, it may create other possibilities for them. You know what I mean? So I think that's how part of this kind of comes in. But I, I don't think you're getting exactly what you were looking for, right? Like I really don't think that's what they were looking for. Yeah. And uh, again, uh, this isn't something that uh, you know they want to trade JT Miller or or anything like that. Um, but uh, could they listen? Should a offer um, that they view as one that makes sense 
come to the table. I, I still wonder if that's something that could happen this year because of um, just how tight cap space is around the league. I know people, I don't know, I, I even saw the hockey news or the hockey writers website today trying to put JT Miller on, on the Vegas Golden Knights. Like Vegas just can't add salary for long term, you know. Like, well, it depends on their LTIR situation, especially yeah. with Mark Stone. You know, like the team, like and, and people are texting in saying, you know, JT's going to be singing "Sweet Carolina." I mean, it would have to be a team like Carolina that has the flexibility long term. Yeah. Right. That was looking like what was Carolina looking at? They're looking at trading for Bo Horvat potentially, and they wanted to talk contract with him, which meant they're willing to explore or at least. You know, yeah, explore signing a long-term deal on their books long-term, right? Now, is JT even a player they want? Like, do they want to center anyways? Like, sure, but like, it may not fit in. But that's the type of team that I think it would have to be. Right. That, that has, that's not afraid of adding term long, adding term on their books, has a lot of flexibility, has a desire to get better. You know, you know, that's the type of team that would do it. And, and I'm skeptical that anybody's going to be out there and do it. But just going back to the conversation around, you know, would they consider Demko? Like, outside of Pedersen Hughes, I think they would consider anything. And if somebody comes and offers, you know, a first-round pick and a prospect for JT Miller and they, they'll take the entire money off their books, it might be hard to say no to. Yeah. If, if they trade... This is the sort of thing, though, that we've talked about with, with the idea of trading a Demko or, or even a Miller... Uh, you're then more into a um, a bigger R rebuild <laughs> than just the retool that Jim Rutherford has has talked about. Now that's that's why um, a lot of this is, or there's still a question mark as to what exactly the direction of this team is, at least from a lot of people's end, given where this currently is right now. And I understand it. To be quite honest, because it does seem like, and and maybe I should be more understanding of their situation because of how poor this season has gone. Why wouldn't you reevaluate exactly what you have and what you should be doing and where you could be going? All they've understood or all they've figured out this year, it seems like, is Elias Pettersson is the absolute guy they want to build around and probably Quinn Hughes as well. Other than is that, there any other conclusion to really come to after the season? No, it, it, like that's that's what this season has told us. Like those are the guys that you're building a hockey team around. Everybody else is part of the conversation. To how do we make this team better, and is it with or without this player? And I don't think anybody on this roster outside of those two players has done enough to say that they are a part of the solution. Uh, so that's no, wh- that's why they are where they are. I think the only guy who has is the guy who got a contract, and that's Andre Kuzmenko. Right, yeah. And again, the Kuzmenko thing shows me that I think what they want, Dan, and I know there are people, I forget which, which writer it was, and um, forgive me, but it was somebody out of Pittsburgh who mentioned it's, it's almost pathological for Rutherford to fill the cap space he opens up immediately with something else. So if they're clearing the space, they're looking to do other things. So I don't think it necessarily means, oh, we're clearing this space and it means we're going to sit idly by for two years, let it accrue, and, you know, four or five years from now. I think it would allow them to do other aggressive things. Yeah, right. I mean, if we look at the Rangers model, for instance, they made a few trades, but then they they, they dumped, they jumped right back in and went and got Panarin. Yeah. You know, like they made a big move like that. They got lucky with Adam Fox. He wanted to go there and they traded a second to get him. And obviously that was a huge part of their success. But 
when they got some cap flexibility, one of the first things they did was go after a superstar player like Panarin, and they signed him. So I think if they're clearing that money, I don't think it's just a sit on it and be like, oh, we'll be good in four or five years. I think it, they'll be aggressive in trying to make it better. And and I think it'll be in line with what they've mentioned. Guys in that you know mid to late 20s at the oldest range, not go out and sign guys in their 30s or whatever. You know, like I think that would be what they would be looking to do. And one of the things that Rutherford has mentioned, and a bit of a tell has been that there are a lot of players that we like that we could get if we had cap space. He right. means in terms of contracts, alter teams are looking to move that they can't move, or there's a situation has in a line that they would like to take advantage of. And you got to create cap space in order to do some of those things. Uh, Precisely. All right, let's keep this conversation going. Irfan Gaffar, what he knows uh, in his latest news and tidbits uh, coming next on Canuck Central. Catch up on what happened in Vancouver sports with Halford and Bruff in the morning. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Canuck Central is in the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics. Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. I did something I am um, not overly proud of while in L.A., Sat. I haven't told you about this, I don't think. Uh-oh, what did you do now? You were too ashamed to tell me, so you're going to tell us tell us now? Well, I'm, I've kind of, like, maybe i gotten over it a little bit. I don't know. But you realize, you know, life is too short and these are trivial matters not to worry about? <laughs> Pretty much. Like, I, I'm not the kind of person uh, that gets uh, star tru- starstruck too much, right? Uh, but you know, I, I mentioned last week, you know, I uh, had a conversation with uh, Hillary Duff at the coffee shop about the Bo Horvat trade. Not yeah, actually, but but I saw her at the coffee shop. Um <laughs> <laughs> you exchanged glances <laughs> passing by. Yes. Oh, is Hillary a regular now? Really cool. Very nice. Um, you know Hillary too? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, on this the- is how some people say, like, I had I had coffee with Hillary <laughs> Duff at Starbucks once. Well, technically, yes. Yes. But <laughs> it was it was a blue bottle, actually. Blue bottle coffee. Okay. Um so anyways, uh my favorite soccer player of all time. Alessandro Del Piero has a restaurant in Los Angeles. Sad. Okay. All right. It's called the number 10. And I'm not going to, like, on the weekend, I kind of just, like, hung out there in hopes that he would pop in. How long did you stay there? I mean, we were there for, for quite a few hours. It was like, okay, are we leaving now? Like, ah, let's just wait, like, another 20 minutes. They said he might show up tonight. So <laughs> they said that? Oh, man. <laughs> They, they saw you as a mark, and they were like, oh, Del Piero may show up tonight. This guy's going to st- spend 10 hours uh, eating and drinking at a restaurant. I'll take another Negroni, please. Just, can, you, can you call him? Is he in town? I don't even know if he was in L.A. at the time. but You can't track his jet? I was, I was very sad. It wasn't, wasn't the best restaurant. I'll, I'll be honest about that. Oh, really? But, yeah. Oh. Food was just you didn't like, say that at the moment. It was just average. It was just average. You would have said it's great if you met him, though. <laughs> 100% I would have. Uh, all right. Uh, let's uh, bring in our next guest. It is uh, Irfan Gaffar. Uh, what's happening, Irf? 
If Del Piero was at Olive Garden, you'd think it was the best restaurant <laughs> in the world. I probably would. I'm not. I'm not even going to lie about that. That's. Uh, it's so true. It's so weird that he has a restaurant in L.A. Like he's. I wouldn't say he's the most international soccer star. Like I wonder how many people go in there. And like, oh, is this guy supposed to be famous? Like, who is he? <laughs> anyway, well, I think it's the thing about L.A. too. Is like yeah. you can go to really, and New York's kind of the same way. Is any one of those restaurants or or bars or clubs you're bound to run into someone? A hundred percent. How was uh, how was Florida down there at the All Star game? Yeah, yeah, it was it was it was warm, quite warm the first day, and then it was crap weather for for the game and. Skills competition was, I mean, everyone saw it, and I think that there's gonna there's some work that needs to be done there, and I, I think you need more buy-in from the players, to be honest. Like, you look at other All-Star games, yeah, the Pro Bowl, they changed it, but those guys had fun. Yep. Really, these guys just didn't give a you-know-what, and some of them will be like, yeah, it was, it was just what it is what it is. You go there, and they do their thing, and then they just leave. It's a free weekend for most of them and their family, so... Um, yeah, I, I think that there's got to be a buy-in. There's got to be something else that needs to happen. Um, I have so many other ideas, but we don't have enough time to talk about it. <laughs> so, I mean, you were there, and, and people always talk about, hey, it's, it's about the fan experience. It's about how fans feel. And at the end of the day, if people show up and have a good time and kids like it, that's all that matters. Did yeah. it seem like people enjoyed it, though, while you were there, like in person? Yeah, so that's the thing. I, in, in, from that aspect of it, yes. And, and I do understand that TV needs a three-hour window for both of those things. And, you know, you, you got to fill that time with something, right? But, you know, watching Matthew Kachuk dump in the puck is really not that exciting, to be honest. Um, so lots of kids were happy. The mascots running around. It, all in all, it's a good experience if you're there. It's just, it's just pretty tough to watch. And I think that you got to make it to where the skills competition, like in all reality, what is it? The, the the fastest skater is great. The accuracy is good. Um, the hardest shots, obviously, the great one. And then beyond that, like I think goalies should, you know, come out as uh, to be out as players. I think that's for one. The goalies don't care at all. They're just trying not to get hurt. Yeah. Um. I mean, so are the players for that matter. But I mean, my thing is they the NHL needs to adopt a system where the NBA kind of does it. You know, you you have two captains. You, you know, you you use two different charities to try and do things. And you throw all the sticks in the middle of the ice and you have kids come and pick the teams yeah. for it right there. And then that's how you do it. That's how you fix the all-star game. Right. I don't know. Take it, take it back to the old schoolyard days, right? You know, I know sticks everyone, in the middle. everyone wants to talk about, everyone wants to talk, to talk about playing hockey on ponds and this is great. And that's the other, how'd you divide teams by then? No yeah. voting then. <laughs> and you don't have the draft problem either where somebody gets picked last. So, well, I think that's, but I think that that's the beauty of it. Yeah, do it. Why not? I, I don't know why they ever went away from it because because hockey players are just like, oh, no, we don't want somebody to get picked last. Anyways, oh, uh, Phil Kessel, sorry remember? For, sorry, <laughs> yes. sorry for sorry for ruining an all star's ego. Who cares? You're at the all star game. Also, Shut people up. only remember Phil Kessel got picked last. Who was the other one? Wasn't it like Logan Couture or something like that? Like. Nobody even remembers yeah. the next guy who got picked last. Anyway, and then Phil Kessel won the card. It was fine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. So um, on the Canucks right now, uh, we were just talking uh, about you know, where they're at and you know how deep could this go beyond Bo Horvat and just how willing are they to talk on pretty much any player on the roster not named uh, Elias Pettersson or or Quinn Hughes right now. I think they're very willing. I think they're open to 
really anything. I mean, you you see the reports, you see everything that's out there, and where there's a lot of where there's smoke, there's some fire, right? Um, let's start with Thatcher Demko because that's been the news, I guess, lately, and especially today as well with uh, yeah. ESPN or Emily reporting what she did. Um, look, I, I think the Canucks have definitely taken calls on Thatcher Demko. I don't think it's calls saying um, we have an offer here let's talk. And the Canucks have said, no, I think it's more so calls regarding his health, um, regarding how long it's going to be before he starts practicing with the team, regarding how long it's going to be before he plays. If he's going to get a stint in the American hockey league before he comes back up and plays, you know, games in the NHL. I think those are the types of calls that they're fielding right now. And what would it take to get that? I don't think any team has called and said, here's what we're offering. Let's make this happen. I just don't think that that's happening right now. I think it's going to be, if anything, it's going to be a summertime thing uh, for, for Thatcher Demko. Now, things can change, but I, I really don't know what team is going to want to take a risk on a player that hasn't played since December 1st. Like, it's been yeah, a long time. Well, it's not only that. It's, it's Yeah, for sure. It's taking the risk on it, and then it's giving up what you're looking to give up, which is another part exactly. of it. And then the other part of it for Vancouver is, what's your succession plan and goal? Not that you have to solve it necessarily in the trade, but – you have to have some sort of an idea of what it's going to look like next year and beyond. And Arthur Sillas is still this is his first year in the AHL really playing meaningful games. Hasn't played a ton before this season. He's still a ways away before he can be ready. You don't have anybody primed and ready to go. Spencer Martin, we all know, is not that guy. You know, like, you know, is he even going to back up next season? Is somebody else going to take his job? Like, that's kind of the conversation around him. So I think if you're looking for a succession plan and goal, it's hard to figure all that stuff out by the deadline. Not impossible, yeah. just very difficult. Well, I agree. And I, we talked about this last week, guys. The, uh, the Canucks, they're not in a position where they can have a mediocre goalie right now because their team in front of them isn't that good, right? They're not the Leafs. You can't have two goalies that can play average hockey because your defense is actually good and your forwards are good and they play defense. Uh, that, that's the problem that the Canucks have. So the goaltending isn't your problem, but if you believe that Thatcher Demko is something that you can use as an asset to get something back, I mean, you have to take call. You have to take those calls, and you have to be willing to engage in conversation. Um, obviously, the Brock one has been, you know, thrown around a lot as well. Um, on Brock, I think he's a lot of teams' plan B and C, where people are going to wait and see what team, what happens with Timo Meyer. And I think that that's an obviously um, an interesting conversation there because he's going to whatever team is going to go to, he's going to sign a long-term extension. And then if that team was in on Brock Besser, they're probably not going to be anymore. And then you're going to have a bunch of other teams that, you know, might be calling the Canucks. So that one, I think, will wait a little bit here to see what happens. But um, definitely two conversations that obviously the Canucks front office are, are definitely listening to. And um, with Luke Shen as well. I think that one you'll want to see. You'll, I mean, I think they hope that it gets done sooner or later, especially if you're Luke Shen. Um, do, are they going to have to retain on Brock to make something work? Or take a bad, or take a contract back. I think they're willing to take a contract back that expires after next season, mm-hmm. right? So you got to take something back there. I don't think any team is taking Brock for the next few years at six point six AAV without getting rid of something or without having the Canucks eat something on their end. Right. Um, have they come around to wanting to retain salary to maybe make this deal happen? Maybe, but would they take a deal back that expires next season? I think that one could be more likely. I think so, too. I think it's more likely they make a trade and take money back in a trade than retain. Yeah. I think they'd rather do or, that. And, and, or, or the Canucks might have to sweeten it on their end, too, Sat. 
Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, now see, that's the interesting one, right? Like that's the, okay, you can trade Besser for value, but what if you trade Besser plus not a pick, but something else, Lester for argument's sake, say Jack Rathbone, right? Besser and Rathbone. Does that get you somebody who's a player who makes a bit of money, who's a bit of an upgrade or perhaps fits another need? Not just, just kind of wondering, right? Like, is that a possibility? Yeah, absolutely. I I think, for Patrick Alvin and, and, and Jim Rutherford and, and their staff, I think everything is on the table when it comes to making moves right now. Um, that's why they're having these phone calls. That's why they're having these discussions. That's why we're hearing, hearing about the discussions that are being had, right? There, there's definitely things going on. And, right, we're already less than a month away from the NHL trade deadline. Contenders are going to want to see where they're at right now and kind of feel out the process of what's going to happen. And, Teams that think are contenders that are maybe pretenders that are wanting to try and get some guys to put their over the edge, we'll see. But it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks for sure. Does that include JT Miller? I don't know. Tough. I just don't know what team takes that takes that deal on. Yeah. So, so that's the thing, right, Irv? I mean, you're getting like I, here's my thing: if you're getting it for JT Miller, the player, okay. Well, you know what? It's great. It's good risk. It, why not? He might be able to put you over the edge. J.T. Miller, the contract that comes with the player, I really don't know. That's the question, right? Because I think from Vancouver's end, to your point, like we're talking about, I think Vancouver's willing. I mean, and I don't think they're looking yep. to dump him, like I said before. Like, it's, it's again, it's, if, let's say hypothetically somebody offers a first-round pick and a prospect. I think they listen to that if they get the money off their books. They're not looking to dump him for nothing, right? And I don't think they're even looking to trade him but to your point like when we're sitting here and talking about who's available who's not available outside of Houston Patterson if you make the right offer they'll make the move and I think that's the truth around JT as well yeah and you would do yourself a disservice if you didn't listen and someone called and said what would it take to get JT yeah you really would because you can get 56 million dollars off your books you're you're not sitting pretty you still got some work to do but I mean you you guys are the ones that signed that contract so you know what kind of hole you put yourself in I uh you know, I, I've always, I mean, I, I've been more positive about JT's game this year than others, and I know that. I'm Mr. Positivity around here. But just thinking about this as, as we mentioned it, like if you were to look at the unrestricted free agent list for this upcoming year, now JT would still be one of the more talented players out there and available for a team to go out and acquire. So, you know, if, if you're a team that's maybe early in your contending window, I don't think it's the worst idea to, to take a shot at JT Miller if you're looking for somebody to add to your roster, not just for this year, but also for a few years down the road. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think if they can – look, if there's a move to be made and someone's going to call and ask about JT or, or, or inquire about his – inquire about, you know, trading for him, I, I definitely think the Canucks are going to listen. Do they want to move JT? I think that's the – I think that – is, is a completely different question. The, the thing that um, I, I guess I still wonder about, you know, is when Rutherford spoke, you know, he kind of hinted at the, he, well, he said the retool, not rebuild. And then Alvin speaks not that long after, and he says, well, there's no quick fix around here. You know, so what, what is it that this management group really feels about how close or not close this roster is? I mean, I think it all starts from the from the end of really last season when how much work that said that needed to be done, and in all reality, nothing got done except for signing JT Miller. And then you lose Bo Horvat. Your defense is not good. You've had some injuries. I I, I get that. 
And then what, like, I just don't really understand where anyone thinks that, like, I, I agree more with Patrick Alvin, right? This, this is going to take some time. You look at this team right now as it's constructed against teams like the Oilers and, and the Vegas Golden Knights and, and the Flames. And honestly, the, the Seattle Kraken right now are playing good. And the Kings, like, their windows are so far, so much further ahead than the Vancouver Canucks. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And yeah, okay, your, your demise was maybe some of those contracts that you're the previous regime had brought in with OEL and obviously Garland and things like that and the Myers. But beyond that, this is your job to try and fix it. So you can go out and complain all you want, say it's going to be a long fix, but you're the one that has to do this. Well, yeah, I mean, there are things that obviously that have to change in a big way. And, you know, in terms of that direction, as much as Luke Shen, for instance, is a guy that brings leadership, plays the right way, can be an extension of the head coach, and, and all those positives that we talk about, I just don't understand why you would keep him, though, still, if there's something yeah. out there that's valuable. Like, if you can get the equivalent of a second-round pick, whether that's prospect pick, or play, exactly. or, or, some, yeah, or something along that, I don't know how you bypass that. Like, if we're sitting here and talking, okay, the best offer for Luke Shen is a fifth-round pick, okay, fine, yeah, yeah, sure. Instead of a fifth, I can buy into you giving him an extension. But if they can get something valuable, like, how do you bypass that given the direction this is going? Yeah, I agree. I think second, third, or, I mean, they're probably not getting a player back, but um, you never know, right? There are teams that are definitely interested in Luke Shen, right? You know Tampa, um, you know the Leafs, or the Flames might, might be interested there just to kind of see what happens. But teams want them, so it's a matter of them trying to pull the trigger here and seeing if they can do it. Or how much do they really value leadership? And do they think they need a really, really good room guy? And I think that you hope at some point you can turn your room over to your new leadership group, which is Elias Pedersen, Quinn Hughes, you know, and OEL and, and, and JT Miller have the A's as well. But it's those two guys now that need to step out of their shell a little bit and to, and, and to be leaders on this team, both on and off the ice, I think. You know, Elias Pedersen's a pretty quiet guy. Quinn Hughes is exactly the same. But at some point, you're going to have to get, you're gonna, you know, you're going to have to answer the tough questions. You're going to have to, you know, stand there and, and take the questions from the media and, and all sorts of things and, and be and be accountable and hold your teammates accountable. So it's an interesting one, but you know, you, you can't just build a team or, or keep guys around because they're just good in the room. You gotta be able to produce on the ice as well. Elias Petterson, uh Elias Petterson, if I can speak English here. Uh, you know, he did a few interviews last week. He did one with us, he did uh, the one uh, beachside with thirty two thoughts and you know, the the questions about how much he likes Vancouver came up often and you know not that he um he obviously likes vancouver but you know did he 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 did sort of he did sort of leave it open to you know kind of wonder uh like how committed he could be and i i guess there's always going to be this overarching wonder of you know how much he really wants to be on a team as long as, you know, they've been spinning their wheels for the entirety of his career so far. How much does his long-term stay in Vancouver matter about these next steps that the front office takes? I mean, it's, it's huge, yeah. to be completely honest. I, I think that he's a guy that is a very fiery competitor, uh, he, and he wants to win. I don't think Elias Patterson is stupid either. I, I think he, 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 he looks at 
what's around him right now. And he sees that, okay, maybe if I sign here long-term, I might be, have to be here for five years before I have a chance of even competing for a Stanley Cup. Well, well he knows a making a deep playoff run. He knows where, where this team struggles, right? Yeah. He said it. How many times has he said it? Yeah. Right? I mean, in that interview with Elliot, he says he plays defense in NHL. Because <laughs> other guys are going to score. If that isn't a shot, I don't know what is. <laughs> but, look, I mean, I think that for a guy like Elias Pettersson, who knows he's going to get the bag wherever he goes and whenever it's going to happen, I think it's a matter of, of, of winning. It's a matter of culture. It's a matter of you know, who your teammates are, who your coach is going to be, um, and, 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 and all of that. Vancouver, the city is beautiful. And we know that, you know, obviously people love our city and things like that. But I think for him, it, it, it's a lot deeper than just here. There's so many other things that need to go right this offseason in order for him to, I don't want to say think about wanting to commit long-term because he do, he is, but it's, it's having that conversation of, okay, am I going to do it? And how much money are you going to throw at me to make this happen? You're right. I mean, the money thing's a big part of it, right? Like, if the way you show appreciation to somebody in pro sports is the type of money you offer them, right? That, that's yeah. as simple as that, right? Like, how much do you love me? Oh, I, I see, ninety million sounds pretty good, right? So, I mean, if you're throwing something like that at him, I don't think it becomes too difficult. But I do believe directionally, it has to be very clear where this team is going. I agree. I I think that that is one. I really do. I, like the, you're going to get your money, but I think for him, the conversation of where this team going is one, one a, one b. It, it, it's all of it, and it's improving that roster in so many different areas. Um, what do you, what do you make of the speculation around Jim Rutherford right now? Uh, I don't really buy much or any of it, mm. to be completely honest. Yeah. Um, I think Jim Rutherford's got what is it another year left on his deal? Beyond this um, one, yeah. I. I yeah, I don't think he's walking away at all. Um, I, I, I really don't. So um, it's just one of those things that... Uh, look, it's, it's been bad here all year. So it's going to be a story after a story after a story. I think we're connected to the gift that keeps on giving this year for every single member of the media right now. Uh, it's it just fantastic. doesn't stop. And a lot of people it are is, talking. Like, That's why people hear a lot of stuff. Yeah. Well, it's the first time anyone in Toronto stayed up past 10 p.m. to watch a game. <laughs> Like it's it's honestly, yeah. no, I mean, so I don't look. I, I don't buy it. I, I I really don't. I think Jim Rutherford is going to, you know, stay on. I, I don't think he's going to retire or, or, or walk away or anything like that. Um, but I do think that he, one coming into this situation, he didn't think that it'd be as crazy as it is now. Um, so he's in I think position, no, obviously. I don't think uh, there's any doubt about that, right? They, I don't oh, think there's yeah, any absolutely. doubt that it's it's a lot like this. This has gone. F- far more sideways than they ever thought it would go and oh, yeah, dealing 100%. with the heat like i don't think they thought like oh like handle the media market you know we'll play by our rules screw them i think that was humbling right like it could be an animal and a beast you can't tame we really saw that with the boudreaux thing right so that was a big lesson i hope and i believe they learned and yeah of course that was difficult but that's kind of what i've heard too i think the big question elliot kind of mentioned it too is does the entire front office stay intact as we get through uh, into next season? I mean, uh, or like beyond? Because that's the thing he wondered about was. I think are there are, are there more is there more stuff maybe going on beyond Rutherford? I think when Rutherford's contract's up, you might see some changes. I think as long as he's there right now, um, things will kind of stay the same. Yeah, 
I, but I, I do believe that, you know, once the contract's out for, for Jim Rutherford, there'll, there'll definitely be some changes there, um, which I think, there, I think there has to be, right? Like with organizations, change always has to, always have to keep evolving, always have to keep doing things in order to get better. Um, you know, as the game evolves, people evolve, things evolve, technology evolves, everything changes. So I think right now for the next little bit, I think you'll see things kind of stay the same, but I think when Jim Rutherford's gone, um, some things will change for sure. Uh, who you got for a uh, big Super Bowl weekend? First Where? of all, LeBron's getting 50 today. <laughs> right? Okay. He's got to. He's got to do it today. I'm sure he's going to do it today. Why, why do you wait? You know what's going <laughs> to suck if, 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 if he gets at the free throw line. <laughs> but who do I got? Oh, that's tough. I like Philly. I think, uh, yeah, I like the Eagles. All right. I yep. don't know why. You, you still got time to change it. A few days yet. No, I just don't. I mean, I, I like Patrick Mahomes, but I don't like Patrick Mahomes, you know? Yeah. You don't like his brother. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I really don't. We can talk, talk about this later. <laughs> All right, pal. Always, right, always enjoy well. it. Thank you. Uh, there he is, Irfan Gaffar, best in the business, uh, yeah. along with us, uh, Canucks insider with the fourth period. Irf does have a great Mahomes story. Oh, does he? Yeah. I'm going to have to get this one day. Yeah. <laughs> now that I know, I'm going to have to get it one day. Yeah. A lot of interesting stuff there uh, with with Irf. Uh, we'll uh, dissect some of it and also get into some of the changes we're starting to see from Rick Tockett as uh, the Canucks play a strong game against the New Jersey Devils last night. That's coming up next on Canucks Central.